Hi, I'm Chinny. And I'm Astrid. And welcome to It's a Continent, the podcast that widens access to African history. We're also the co-authors of a book by the same name. You can find out more information about us on itsacontinent.com. So we're here to challenge the common misconception that Africa is a country and appreciate the identity of each nation. And through each episode, we'll be exploring key historical moments which have shaped the continent. Hello and welcome to another episode of It's a Continent. Today we are joined by a special guest, Dr. Estrella Sendra, lecturer in culture, media and creative industries education at King's College London. So Estrella's research focuses on cultural festivals with a particular interest in African film festivals in Africa and outside of Africa, cultural festivals in Senegal, and the global south uh, from a more broader perspective. Now, as a filmmaker, journalist, and a festival worker, she is particularly interested in practice research, namely the video essay. And Australia has spoken at conferences, festivals, and media platforms, and events across the globe, particularly collaborating with African film festivals in Senegal, the UK, and Spain. So really, really excited to, to have you with us, Australia. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Exciting, exciting. Yeah, so we wanted to have this discussion with you because over the last kind of two, three months, uh, the Garden Cinema um, in London have had a Francophone West African cinema season that I know you've been involved with. So we thought it was a perfect opportunity for A, to sit down with you, but also for our listeners for you to just Tell us a bit more about the season, the idea and how it came about. Um, For those listening, it is still taking place until the 8th of May in Holborn. So we'll include the details in the episode show notes. But yeah, if you could share with us a bit more about the season, that would be amazing. Yes, of course. This is one of the projects that really makes me love the kind of work that I do and makes me feel very privileged to get to do things both inside and outside the classroom. And it's an initiative that came really, I mean, as many of the things, right? So just an invitation via email to meet at this beautiful cinema that I had never been to because it's only existed for a year, the Garden Cinema, one of the curators in the cinema that contacted me along with his colleague. And they were very interested in exploring a partnership with uh, both the Screen Walls based at SOAS and King's College, where I'm based, as you very well said in your generous introduction at the beginning. (laughs) And the idea was for, um, yes, for me to be involved in the introduction of the season of the film because of my interest in Senegalese cinema, the work of Usman Samben and Tibral Diop Mambeti. So, yeah, I was very privileged to open the season, which started on the 2nd of March, and a season that, as you very well said, will be happening until the 8th of May, and that is including not only screenings, film screenings that are always introduced by a guest speaker and followed by a live screening discussion that happens in the in the cinema in a very nice bar over there in a very cozy space. And there's been different films from Usman Samben, Jibril Diop Mambeti, Suleiman Sisse, who is from Mali, Abdurrahman Sissako, born in Mauritania, but also uh, Malian. And Mati Job, who is actually Mambeti's niece, um, so of Senegalese heritage, but based in France. And then we also included some uh, short film screenings. So I've just had 
the the pleasure of being involved in it, just advising on who could be some of the speakers, what could be some of the short films screened over there. And I've just really enjoyed discovering the cinema in this way and getting people involved from King's College, from Film Africa as well, Screen Wolves, and then as well musicians and spoken word artists that have also enriched the program through some live performances happening at the same time of the film season. Yeah, no, that sounds really exciting. And I have to say, the Garden Cinema is really nice. <laughs> I also have recently been there myself and I was like, why have I never been here before? It's um, really, really nice cinema. And it looks like there's a jam-packed uh, agenda of films to see um, and discussions to be had. Yeah. From, um, you know, just looking at uh, West African cinema and particularly within Francophone uh, regions. How would you define um, Francophone West African cinema um, in this way? Well, that's a great question. I, I remember when I did the introduction um, of this season, I was speaking precisely about this label of uh, so-called Francophone West African cinema, because obviously there is already the talent in cinema coming from Africa uh, of labeling it as African, and then people focusing more on the fact that it's African, that it's cinema, right? And Africa is a mm-hmm. huge continent with so many film practices, productions, and industries that, again, like some people struggle to find or to define them as industries because maybe there is not so much of a supportive policy in some of the cases and so on. But I think that um, it's important to know where this term came uh, from. And I think that this is one of the things that I highlighted in the season, that it was very timely to curate the season in the cinema that specializes in, uh, again, like curated seasons or films that are contemporary mixed with some old ones and so on. So this is one of the seasons that uh, the, the cinema has curated. And it's very timely because the season opened at the same time in which the Pan-African Film Festival, FESPACO, was taking place in Burkina Faso, in Ouagadougou, which is the um, so-called capital of African cinema. And it's a festival that started ever since the 60s, I mean, 1969. And actually, Usman Samben was involved in this, and it was great to open the season with his film, Black Girl, which has often been defined as the first uh, feature film by a Black African filmmaker based in the continent. But actually, we now know that it's actually um, someone from Ethiopia who made one of the first films. And and it's it's kind of like a talent category. But um, again, he was sort of known as the father of African cinema. And I think that it's very important to understand the term of Francophone West African cinema in the context in which it started in the 60s. It was a category used to refer to different film practices that were coming from uh, regionally proximate uh, backgrounds. So the area of West Africa and the area that had actually been colonized by the French and that shared uh, French as um, one of the languages within the repertoires of languages spoken over there. But it's also a particular category that started in the 60s at the same time in which uh, Ministry of Cooperation started uh, or was opened over there in 1961. And this was an initiative by France, which was part of the way of sort of keeping that colonial legacy in their regions or their former colonies in the continent. They created a film bureau associated to this Ministry of Cooperation in 1963. And this was actually one that controlled the filmmaking production of West Africa back in the days, 
I was actually offering technical and financial resources. And if non-African films had been made before the 60s, because African people were not entitled to make films, by 1975, there were already 185 films made that were funded by uh, this uh, film bureau coming from France that had a very Mm -hmm. problematic aspect. And is that African filmmakers didn't have their own rights for distribution. So this is actually one of the origins of the marginalization of African cinema, a historic marginalization. And in the case of the UK, it's very rare to see Francophone West African cinema because of obviously England being an Anglophone country. And mm-hmm. um, and and again, these films having issues with distribution, with subtitles and and so on. So it's a category that has very much to be understood within that post-colonial period in which African countries are achieving independence. But it's a category that has been changing over time because filmmaking practices have been changing so much. And actually the film or the season opened with a film that hadn't been funded by this film bureau. So Black Girl by Usman Semben is actually a film that had been rejected by this film bureau because it was very critical with France. So as you can see, they were just funding several films that were telling the stories of Africa that they were interested in. But West Africa became, and Francophone West Africa more specifically, and Senegal as well, more and more, even more specifically, became the hub of filmmaking production, one that has had a legacy that continues up to today. So I think that this um, season has been an opportunity to give visibility to these films that haven't really circulated that much because of the post-colonial context in which they were made, produced and distributed on the first place. Thanks, Estrella. That's really interesting, particularly around how we have the post-colonial aspects of African cinema. We'd be keen to know like the role that colonisation had actually played in the development of Francophone West African cinema as well. And mm-hmm. If there was actually an extent, I know you touched on it briefly with how um, Black Girl was affected, but did France actually influence any of the messaging that we see? Not in this particular film, but um, obviously it did to some extent, because at the end of the day, this film was um, an adaptation from a novel that Ousmane Semben had written a few years before. And this novel, um, La La Noire Day in French, uh, Black Mm. Girl in, in English, had been an adaptation from, uh, how do you say, a news story that Usman Semben had seen in the news in 1958, in which an actual maid uh, from Senegal uh, had um, committed suicide in France. So this was the origin of a short story written by Usman Semben that was then adapted to the screen. So one could suggest that it is precisely this context of oppression of modern slavery that has very much shaped the story within the narrative of this film. And also the fact that to Usman Semben, cinema was a sort of evening school, a way of learning what hadn't been taught to African people because they were under a colonial regime, right? In which uh, France was telling the, the single story that was interested, interesting to them or that benefited their own colonial system. But Black Girl is a film which, as I said before, had been rejected by the film bureau 
and it was actually funded uh, partly by the production company that Usman Samben created, uh, which was called Domirev. He's actually one of the first African filmmakers to establish his own production company. And it, it received help as well from the director of Actualité Française, which was a sort of uh, news, uh, news reel that was created at the same time of the film Bureau, also managed by this Ministry of Cooperation created in, in France. But um, so when, when, he, when he saw this, he allowed Ousmane Semben to edit over there the film in the same place as the newsreels were being edited. And this was the way in which the film managed to be created. But it didn't receive funding from the film bureau itself. It's one of those exceptions because, um, yeah, he wanted to make sure that he had independence. And funnily enough, uh, or paradoxically, let's just say, the film then would win the Prix, uh, the Prix Jean Vigo in the Festival of Cannes in 1966. And he was oh, actually, wow. yeah, Ousmane Samben was actually making history then because he became the first non-French uh, recipient of this uh, award that was usually given to French filmmakers of so-called independent spirit. Mm. And he's really kind of like pushing through that and able to, yeah, kind of say, this is what I'm able to achieve, which is really, yeah, amazing. Yes, yes, it was It was really a message about the way in which um, it's very difficult to move away from those centuries of colonialism that yeah. really colonize minds. So cinema to him becomes a weapon for decolonization of the mind as well through the visual medium, which is something very important, again, in a context of so much illiteracy. Um, so he was a novelist, a writer, Usman Sembene specifically, I know we've been focusing on him much because he's it's the one that opened the season, but this is something that can be applied to other filmmakers that have featured in this season through the screen. There are ways of telling stories that resonate with uh, people because they are proximate to the stories, the narratives, but also the way of telling stories, which is very much oral, relying on music, relying on yeah, on visual elements and repetition and so on, some of these elements that we get to see in these films. Although, as I said, like within Francophone West African cinema, there are many different styles. And um, Manfia Diawara, who is a Malian writer and filmmaker, suggests that we can distinguish mainly three main um, kinds of cinemas in the period in which Francophone West African cinema starts to be made from the 60s to the 70s onwards which is social realism, the kind of film that uh, Ousmane Sambere started doing with uh, La Noire Day or Borom Saret. And then we also have some more of a poetic postmodern style with filmmakers like Dibel Diop Mambetti, also Senegalese. Or we have a return to the source style, mm. going back to traditions, to myths, to storytells, which is the one that we saw, for example, in Suleiman Sisse, the Malian filmmaker who is still alive. And just to kind of focus a bit more, I know your research place is quite a bit more focused around Senegal and you've mentioned um, a couple there. Um, how has the Senegalese kind of film industry evolved in recent years? You know, are there specific challenges and opportunities that it faces today? Yeah, I, I have, I mean, I have seen so much change already since I would say 
the beginning of 2010 and so on. The contemporary scene is very, very different. As I was saying, Francophone West African cinema is a category that we start using in the 60s and 70s, but then there is an economic crisis. And with it, the closure of of so many cinema venues in Senegal. So that attitude of um, going to the cinema to watch films and so on started to get lost. And it's actually Mm. filmmakers, the one who are fighting for their films to be seen. Sam Ben is actually one of the main ones who starts to be very creative about this. But within the contemporary context, we have film festivals, many film festivals that are based in Senegal. Most of them have been much more frequent or regular in their periodicity and in their growth since 2015. Although, as I said, they start from the early 2000s alone with so many cultural festivals that are both local and international at the same time. And these film festivals have really, um, uh, how do you say, well, they have uh, fostered so much cinephilia within uh, the country, particularly in Dakar. There is such a big filmmaking hub. And the thing is that we see so many of these film festival organizers collaborating with one another, moving from a festival to another one as jury members, as co-curators, as collaborators. And it's really Mm. exciting to see the impact that these film festivals are having in cultural policy. And as well with the visibility of certain Senegalese filmmakers, uh, for example, a a filmmaking fund that was... um, installed by the Senegalese government as part of their cultural policy within the direction of cinematography, a fund called FOPICA, has been promoted and has been increasing their investment in Senegalese filmmaking production. It's not rare to see Senegalese filmmakers featuring in not only very big uh, African film festivals within the continent, such as FESPACO, which, as I said, was happening from the end of February this year to March with so much Senegalese presence, to other film festivals, for example, in yeah. Canada, that it's um, there is a festival that I'm going to go to because I organize over there a conference. I can tell you more about it later. But there is a festival in Canada called Vue d'Afrique, which also has a very strong Senegalese presence. And I feel that this internationalization and international recognition Mm -hmm. has also highly contributed to the not only um, growth in cultural policy supporting filmmaking practices, but also the reopening of certain cinema venues. Now, within the last five years, there's at least four to five different cinema venues that have opened in Dakar. So the C-Cinema, the Cinema Pate, the Complex Usman Semben, name of this, this filmmaker that we are just talking about, that actually yeah. this year would have been 100 years old. So there's so many oh, centennials wow. happening, and I was Fuck. very happy. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, The season was happening at the same time as all of this centennial. So again, a very, very timely season. Uh, but yeah, it really goes to show like, the power that these festivals are really having an influence that they're having as you Mm. said you know to be able I think just just seeing from a UK perspective for instance you know cinema has found it you know challenging you know post-covid and actually to be able to see that Mm. you know within the past five years that cinemas are coming up and running I think it just highlights the importance of these um of these festivals both in the country but also internationally as well. 
Absolutely, absolutely. That's precisely the same. That dialogue between the local, the national, and the international that um, contributes to building an infrastructure, which actually is crucial to work professionally as a filmmaker, not having to rely on something else to then film making, to do filmmaking in sort of like your free mm-hmm. time as a passion. Yeah, right? Really lovely to hear about like kind of cinema renaissance in a sense of like how mm, mm. cinema is really like coming back, kind of revival in a sense, um, particularly yeah. in, in Senegal. It's, it's good to hear that there's some, for example, within Canada, as you mentioned with Vue d'Afrique, that there's, you know, some international presence going on. Mm-hmm. But what do you think that the reasons are that, that Francophone West African film isn't like, commonly seen outside of the continent, not as readily as, say, like Nollywood movies here in, in, in the UK? I mean, we might think around the language barrier being a potential obstacle, but at the same time, we're seeing Korean films attracting global audiences. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think are the sort of barriers that you think might be preventing the growth of this genre of film globally? And, and is this something that we think might change uh, as we're seeing the local, regional, global reach getting there? Do we think we might see a, a change as we move into the future? I I want to say so because I have already observed that change and as we talk there are uh, distributors based in Senegal who are already working on this international distribution of uh, Senegalese cinema for example um, a young woman based in Santra Yenenga called Umi uh, Nyang who has opened a distribution company called Wawkumba um, who is actually focusing on stories that feature strong women on a screen and, and so on. And I, I want to say that this is something that is changing. It's also changing with the streaming platforms. One of the, one of the films that is curated in the season is Atlantique by Mati Diop, which was actually available in movie, on Netflix. So there is a growth of some of these uh, films' presence within global streaming platforms and global um, yeah, platforms as in like uh, festivals, international film festivals. But I would say that there is also a, a, glow, a growth of certain kinds of films that have more funding or more co-productions. There is a still a challenge in circulating films that come from independent filmmakers with less financial support. And this is really where I would like to see more support, more change um, for example, sometimes I've collaborated with some filmmakers based in Senegal with translations into English and in Spanish. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I do this kind of collaborations and they are, of course, out of pleasure, out of reciprocity practices because I do so much, so much of my work over there. So I am very grateful for all of the access that I get and all of the collaborations that I get to do and so on. But I feel that this is something that needs to be much more formalized. I think that uh, through the appearance of certain hubs, as I said, as Santra Yenenga or some of the schools and initiatives over there, like uh, Cine Value and uh, some other festivals, um, this is something that may be ch- uh, changing over time. Hearing around the internationalization and the potential for growth is really exciting. We were also curious to know whether Francophone West African film is is popular in places of diaspora. So places like Paris, a bit like how, you know, um, we've got Nollywood and London are really intertwined because of that 
colonial relationship. Mm. Is, is this something that we see within Francophone West African film? Is this something that perhaps we don't feel as much in the UK because of we don't have the same relationship as, say, Paris? Absolutely, absolutely. This is a conversation that I had, a very interesting one, actually, with um, the co-curator of Figritude, Diana Guy. She's a filmmaker based in France of Senegalese heritage. Uh, mm. She has made, for example, a film like Saint-Louis Blues, and um, she curated last year in 2022 a really interesting film season called uh, Tigritude. It was happening in February, I remember. Uh, well, it was happening for several months. I got to attend the one in February. And it was a subjective anthology of African cinema from 1956 to 2022. It was uh, 126 films, if I remember correctly. And it was actually something that they did in order to um, trace sort of like the history of uh, African cinema, but digging into films that had rarely been seen and they were devoting days to specific years in conversation with filmmakers, uh, one filmmaker commenting on another's film and so on. Super, super interesting. And actually, this was a way of opening up the distribution or exhibition of African cinema to farther regions beyond Francophone West African cinema, because Diana Gay Guy was actually suggesting that most of the cinema that gets curated in France is precisely Francophone West African cinema because of linguistic aspects, linguistic aspects and the colonial relationship, the access to subtitles and, and so on. So this is why I felt that this season was very timely in, uh, in well, or very pertinent to have in the UK, because usually we have more Kenyan cinema, or we have more South African film, Nigerian film in festivals like Film Africa or BFI, London Film Festival, and so on, but not so much Francophone West African cinema, and not so much classic Francophone West African cinema from the 60s, although this in the cinema season has been curated alongside some more contemporary film productions because there is also that fear or that risk of showing films of Africa or based in Africa from the 60s and 70s and people that may not have seen that many African films assuming that this is how the continent looks like right now while we are looking at films that come from a very specific post-colonial context, as I said. Yeah, no, that's a good point, actually, the context of that mm. and not actually taking it, appreciating it for what it is, because, yeah, these films are such important kind of historical context, but also, yeah, not kind of taking that as, you know, it's a reflection of um, a specific country um, now. One thing I know we've been speaking a lot about Francophone West African cinema, and one thing I wanted to ask you is around other categories of, you know, African film or even Francophone West African cinema enough to contain the stories of such a vast and complex landscape? Does it need redefining some way or do you think those two categories kind of encompass it? Mm -hmm. I think that categories are only helpful in that they allow us to group things that otherwise may mm. be too complex, but we have to take them with a pinch of salt. The idea of Francophone West African cinema is an idea that needs to be known. It's it's coming, as I said, from a very specific context, but it cannot really 
be used as a way of simplifying the vast production of films that are made within Francophone to West African cinema, which is very, very large, and all sorts of film genres are over there. But we also have to think about the ones that get funding from France or Francophone organizations, because sometimes this can lead to more NGO-related kind of themes or like a more focus on the environment and so on. And there are very different ways of looking at our urban space, our rural spaces and our societies, depending on yeah the sources of the funding and the source of creativity. So I feel that it is important to acknowledge very diverse filmmaking and aesthetic styles that emerge uh, from within this category and take this as a way of um, giving visibility to a historically marginalized region, let's say, uh, within the global history of cinema. But uh, genre, it's, again, a, a very a very useful category when it comes to marketing, but we have seen the growth of very hybrid genres, and even sometimes these films are yeah, very difficult to categorize. Are we talking about mm-hmm. fiction, non-fiction, yeah. fictions? Sometimes. That to get into <laughs> sub 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 categories exactly, and even sometimes some of the new films that are very utopian or dystopian have been uh, categorized as being Afrofuturistic films. Oh yeah, and sometimes filmmakers are like, "Oh really? I just thought I was doing like, yeah. science fiction." <laughs> yes, <laughs> that so, extra yeah. layer yeah. on top. So I mean, yeah, just just to say that. It is useful for marketing purposes. It is useful for visibility, for recognition. But um, hopefully they are not just going to be used uh, for simplification purposes in that sense. And where do you think a good place to start for our listeners if they are new to this genre in general and they want to start watching? Where do you think it would be a good place to start? Well, I would like to recommend a toolkit, uh, some toolkits that we have created as part of the Screen Wolves project, um, an European Research Council funded project led by Professor Lindy Wedovi at SOAS, where I am part of the advisory board. And we actually created some toolkits for educators who wanted to include African films in their syllabus, in their teaching, and they didn't know where to find this. So you can access this for free online in screenwolves.org.uk. Um, but of course, as well in platforms such as Mubi or Netflix, you may be able to find some of this. But again, within those toolkits, we give some hints of where to find them. I would say that the best place where to find this is in festivals. For example, I am so looking forward to attending the Festival San Luis Docs at the beginning of May from the 2nd to the 6th, which is going to happen in, in San Luis in Senegal. And again, I feel that this is the place where we can really get to see what is being made at the moment. And sometimes there are also um, retrospectives to some of the filmmakers from there and some other parts in the continent. So, yeah, it's obviously, yeah, that requires traveling. Um, so, yeah, if, if it's possible, then that would be my top recommendation. Nothing like attending a film festival I would say in Senegal because that's oh where I good. Yeah. That's where we want to go. That's where we yeah, that's, go. that's where we're planning to <laughs> I, go. I, yeah, I'll be there yeah. in May if anyone wants to join me. <laughs> no, honestly, I, you know, you sharing just the amount of access you can get from uh, attending a film festival mm. honestly makes us so excited because actually you get to have exposure to so much more film 
and yeah no definitely for our listeners you know checking out Netflix but if you can attend a film festival that is also amazing thank you so much Australia like it's been such a wonderful just to get your insight and be able to delve deeper into um, Franco Film West African Film the work that you're doing and just really having a better sense of cinema um within the continent because that's not something we've kind of Chini and I have any knowledge of so it's really nice to be able to yeah have discussion this discussion with you so thank you so much for joining us thank you and, so much um, yeah we will make sure to send all the information you've provided around festivals including the episode show notes and any recommendations so yeah and encourage more people to explore yeah my pleasure also I have to say that uh, there is beautiful sound uh, music used in francophone West African cinema so it's also really like um, yeah foot to your ears um in mm. object visually it's it's yeah it's very multi-sensory and yeah thank you so much for the sonic space given to, to this session it's it's as I said at the beginning it's been a pleasure to collaborate with the garden cinema and putting it um, together thank you so much